Go ahead, have a seat. Usher's going to come forward. Let's give at how God has given us. It's all from him. It's all for him. And so we get to give joyfully. Uh, if you're here for the first, second, or third time, and you've got that connection card that was handed to you as you walked in, if you could fill that out before you head out today, as soon as you get outside, we've got a gift for you at a nice table on your right. It's our way of saying thanks so much for joining us here today. You matter to us, and you made this place matter to you. So we want to say thank you uh, in, in the form of a gift. So today is Easter. Easter is a huge day for us as Christians. Christians, uh, and, and it's a day of freedom. Jesus came into the world to bring us freedom, to create and to empower us who follows Jesus to live as the men and women he created us to, to live saying no to fear, to live saying yes to Jesus, to live saying yes to faith and believing that somebody above us actually has control of our lives, that it's not just you and me trying hard. That Jesus came to give us freedom over the expectations of how we think that our life should go. That we know that God has a plan for it. To give us the freedom to live as the men and women, sons and daughters, husbands, wives, parents, however that hits you in your life now. But to live the way that God created us to live. And as we look at Easter, we can look at Easter and the empty tomb and all the freedom that we're talking about all day. Knowing and identifying for all of us that there are areas in our lives where it feels like anything but freedom. Like that's not there for us. We are not always the men and women we want to be. We are not always the, the bosses or the employees we want to be. We're not always the parents we want to be. We're not always the sons and daughters we want to be. We're not always the husbands and wives that we want to be. We live run more by fear than by faith. And we and so many times, if we're honest, are asking the same question, God, are you actually here as I'm going through X, Y, Z? And what we're going to look at today is how God invades those moments of life, invades the moments where we feel like we have screwed it up. God can't possibly fix this, and God actually brings freedom. And it's great that we get to look at this on Easter because it's one of those days where lots of people come to church. And if the last time where you were in church was a day where you left feeling like a failure, Easter is for you. Because for all of us, as we follow Jesus, as we run after perfect Jesus, by definition, we're going to be bringing our failure along with us. And so if the last time you left church, you left feeling like a failure, like I'm never going to be all of these, I'm never going to check all the boxes that everyone tells me I need to check in my life, Easter is for you today. I've got an image that I want us to kind of keep in mind. Uh, I love to run, like I talk about that often. You have your weird things, this is my weird thing. Uh, and I like to listen to stuff while I'm running because we can all be honest, running is boring. Uh, and, and my earbuds that had been working really well for four years like died on me Monday. So I ordered new ones, uh, they came on Thursday. They worked for 10 minutes which I can't even get much running done in 10 minutes. Uh, and so I like, spent Saturday trying to get them to work and everything. And then yesterday afternoon, I printed off the return label, and I'm sending these things back to Amazon because they suck and are terrible, and I want good ones. For all of us in our lives, we look at parts, areas that have gone dead, areas where we've given up, and we think, man, God must look at me with the return label. God must look at this area of my life where I just cannot get out of my own way. And when we think, man, God, do you have a return label on me? Or are you actually going to do something? And today as we look at Easter, as we celebrate Easter, it is the day of God moving in and doing something and bringing freedom. Jesus didn't come into the world, didn't create Easter in the Easter story for us to continue to leave church feeling like failures because we cannot measure up. Instead, he brought Easter as a way of reminding us forever that freedom comes from Jesus. 
And so first we're going to look at Jesus showing us the picture of freedom. Throughout his, lives, throughout his life, Jesus would intersect with other people's lives and, and push them toward freedom, open their eyes to more freedom. He'd say, I, don't, I know how life has gone for you so far, but what I want you to experience for me is more freedom. He's pushing the boundaries of family, of acceptance, of God's love for people. Pushing the boundaries of how people can turn in their lives and come back to him and see everything changed. He's pushing those, and because he's God with skin on, we see everything that Jesus pushes as things that God is pushing. And so one of the things, one of the earliest people that Jesus pushes is a man named Nicodemus. We're going to read about him uh, in John 3. Everything we read today is going to be on the screen behind me, uh, so you can follow along and fact check. Uh, But John 3 It says this, it says, there's a man named Nicodemus. He's a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. That means he has all the answers to every question except for what to do about Jesus. And so after dark one evening where no one would see him, he came to speak to Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replies, I tell you the truth. Stick with this image. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying there is a way to freedom, and it's going to be like you're born again. And it's such a perfect image because I don't know about, or actually I do know about all of us, okay? We have one thing in common in here. None of us did a single thing to get born, all right? You weren't sitting in there one day. You look at the calendar. Hey, today's my birthday. I'm just going to kick my way out and climb out and shake the doctor's hand and say, welcome to meeting me. I'm here. None of us did anything like that. We were there because somebody else did the work. We were there because somebody else brought us into the world. We didn't do anything. So Jesus uses this image perfectly. It's like you're born again. Jesus is saying, I'm the picture of freedom. You want a new life. It's going to come through me as I give spiritual life to you. And then later on in in the chapter, he explains why in the same conversation with the same guy. He says, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. It's those five words, everyone who believes in him. Jesus is saying, I came for freedom for the world and as you put your faith in me, you will find new life because Jesus is the picture of freedom. He's not just a good teacher or a good influence. He's God with skin on who knew from the beginning that he's coming into the world to ultimately give his life for our freedom, not to be reminded of how much of a failure we are, but to be reminded of the freedom that we have in Jesus. And so Jesus goes throughout his life from person to person saying, here's a new picture of freedom. Here's a new picture of freedom. At one point, he and his disciples are talking about what it means to be great in the world. And he tells them this in Matthew 20, 28. He says, even the son of man, which is his favorite term for himself, even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. He's saying God is behind this. That eventually my life is going to be a life that brings freedom to everyone, that I'm going to always be seen as a picture of freedom. And throughout his life, he keeps giving pictures of what that looks like. And one of them, my favorite one, uh, is in the life of a guy named Barabbas. We meet Barabbas for a few verses, and Barabbas literally does nothing good in his entire life. Mark 15, it's it's an eyewitness account of, of this guy's life and what happened. 
And it says this in verse 6. It says, Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone that the people requested. One of the prisoners at the time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like me to release to you this king of the Jews? Pilate asked, for he realized by now that the leading priests had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priests stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas, the revolutionary, the murderer, instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tip whip, and then he turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Like, this makes no sense apart from looking at Jesus as a picture of freedom. Barabbas did nothing good. Jesus never did anything bad. He's the perfect human representation of the everything right all the time God. And then you've got Barabbas, a thug on death row. And so Pilate presents Jesus and Barabbas to the crowd. Pilate, not knowing that he's being used as an instrument and a tool of God right in that moment, and the crowd says, we want Barabbas, kill Jesus. And so in ultimate God-funded, God-motivated, God-motorized freedom, God takes perfect Jesus and trades places with sinful Barabbas. We look at this and we say, why? How is this freedom? This is freedom because for you and for me and for every human who ever existed, God chose to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas and you and me like Jesus. That's the exchange that we have with God, that Jesus came into the world to trade his freedom for our captivity to sin, for our captivity to failure, for our inability to get out of our own way in life. Jesus walked into that, traded places with us, and went to the cross for us as Barabbas and you and me go free. And Jesus shows us the cost of freedom on the cross. That cost is absorbing the sin of the world. A guy years before Jesus, centuries before Jesus is looking forward to this, talking about Jesus, he says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. He, he, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. I mean, you look at the words in that. You look at the things that Jesus took on himself in our place. And what we see is Jesus trading places with us. Of Jesus taking our weakness, our sin, our inability to get out of our own way, away from us and trading that for his perfection. There's another verse in the Bible that says it's so great. 2 Corinthians 5.21, that, that God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. 
I've got three kids, and this week they've all been out of school, and so I've been working in the garage on various things, and, uh, and they've been playing with Legos because I have a five-year-old, which means he needs Legos to breathe. And, uh, and they're building cars one day, and they've got the good guy car, and because he's a boy, there's also a bad guy car, and, and you do the finger guns and all that stuff. And the girls are making the cars, and, and one of them said something that really stuck with me and made me smile. And they're building the bad guy car, and I don't remember which girl it was, but she says, you know what, this is a bad guy car, and bad guys don't need seatbelts because we want them to get hurt. I'm like, hey, that, it's good thinking and a great strategy for dating. Like, stay away for forever. But it doesn't work on Easter doesn't work on Easter because there are two types, of the people, two types of people in this world. There's Jesus and there's bad people apart from Jesus. And that's us. So we look at Jesus. We look at Easter. We look at Jesus showing us the cost of freedom. And that cost is his life for our sin. His life for our freedom. And so that's what happened. Somebody had to experience the rejection that you and I deserve. The rejection that you and I bring into our relationship with God. And so Jesus stepped in. Mark 15, 22, it says that the Romans brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. They offered him wine, drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him, and a sign announced the charge against him. It read, the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. And even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. So up until this point, it's people group after people group continuing to walk by and go past Jesus and systematically just reject him. It's rejection after rejection after rejection, symbolizing the rejection that Jesus is dealing in our place, that Jesus is receiving in our place. And then ultimately God turns his back on him, not because God stopped loving him, but because perfect God cannot be in the presence of sin. So what Jesus did that was so foundational for all time was Jesus took on our separation, took on our sins, that when God looks at you and me, he no longer sees our past. He no longer sees the things that we want nobody to ever find out about. Instead, he sees Jesus' perfect blood. And so as God turns to us, that meant he turned away from Jesus, and it says this. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And then at three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. Man, if we stop there, it's one more epic story of the hero laying down his life for the villain. And it's also a brutal story for you and me. Jesus is the hero. We're the villains here because we're the ones who killed God. It's our sin that needed to be dealt with and we were unable to live the perfect life to deal with our own sin. So Jesus comes and he deals with it for us. Which means that every year around Easter, if we stop there, we're reminded of the fact that you and I did not measure up. That we are held captive to ourselves. That there is no freedom as long as we have a pulse because our sin killed God. But it didn't stop there. They lay Jesus in a tomb. They put a rock in front of it. 
Nobody's outside the tomb counting down 10, 9, 8. Easter's coming. Everybody thinks it's gone. At their mission, that salvation was reduced to a dead body that needed to be cared for, stuck inside of a borrowed tomb. And then Sunday morning happens. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the grave. This is the moment where heaven breaks through, where our sin killed God, and God dealt with our sin, drank the cup of the wrath of God down to the bottom, and then gets laid in the tomb and walks out under God's power. This is God stepping into our lives to deal with our sin, to embrace the rejection that we caused, that we brought into this, and then Jesus walking out of this under the power of God for us to have a joy-filled, joy-lidden guarantee that our freedom comes from Jesus. That the scorecard against us will always say that we are insufficient, but Jesus was sufficient on our behalf. It's the good news, it's the message of Jesus that he shows us the joyful guarantee of freedom in the empty tomb. It's God announcing on our behalf for all of history to hear for all time that yes, our sin separated us from God and Jesus moved in, paid the penalty for our sin to bring us back into relationship with God. And as Jesus lives through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I have the ability now to live new lives. That as Jesus walks out of his own grave, we're walking there beside him. We're walking there behind him to be the men and women he created us to be to be the parents that he created us to be, to overcome the addictions, the hangups, the struggles that we deal with, that God wants to empower us and work through us to overcome, to be the sons and daughters that God created us to be. Insert your line here of what God created you to be that you keep messing up. Easter is for the failures. Easter is for the moment in our lives where we've got to return to cinder stuck, sticker on our back because we can't get out of our own ways because God moved in and said, I will pay for that brokenness. I will pay for that addiction. I will pay for that shortcoming that you cannot quit and have been dealing with for decades. And as I walked out of my tomb, you're walking out with me because it's the joyful guarantee of freedom that we see in the empty tomb. That because of Jesus, We're free to forgive like Jesus forgives. We're free to live lives of faith saying no to fear. We're free to embrace the areas in our lives where we do not measure up. We're free to embrace our own failures, our own sin, our own darkness, our own bondage because Jesus came to forgive our sin, to bring light to our darkness, and to bring freedom to our bondage. And the empty tomb reminds us of that every single year. That's why Christians love crosses, because it's where our sin died, but our Jesus didn't die with it. Our Jesus walked out of his own tomb to say, as I'm walking out, you're walking out with me. And so we respond to that in two ways. One way is if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never asked him to come into your life to forgive you of your sin, which was paid for on the cross, and to live the new life that Jesus walked out of the tomb with. That's the first way we respond. 
If you've never done that, today is your day to do that because as you sit there without asking for forgiveness, your sin is still on you. God looks at you, and instead of seeing the blood of Jesus, which you've asked for, God sees your sin, all of it. And what Jesus does is he wipes our slate clean. He died for all sin, for all time, for all of us, me included. And he's leading us into new life. And the second way is if you've already done that, then it's going to be a moment for us until we die to say, okay, God, keep cleansing. Keep pointing your finger on areas where I need to grow, where I need to move. And for all of us, we're never going to get done with this. The longer that we live, the longer we have a pulse, there's going to be more areas where Jesus wants to bring freedom in our lives. And so our role, our response, our our joy as Christians is to say, okay, here I am today. This is what I'm dealing with today. Jesus, as you walked out of your tomb into new life, I'm going to walk with you in these areas. So that's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to close. Let's stand and pray.